Amen. Yes. What's that? Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Y'all are so sweet. Come on. No, no, it's okay. Amen. Stand up, Beverly. She didn't even know what. What are they doing? Thank you. 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 We love you guys and we appreciate you so much. We're, we're just honored to be here and be called your friends. Thank you. You may be seated. And tonight, uh, you know, our long-term friend, Pastor Ron, who is, uh, he is a wonderful friend. And he has kind of a fault. I want to bring it. Here's, a, it's kind of a fault that if you, and I don't want to let it out of the bag, but if you, how many of you, you'll probably know that. If you need anything and you let him know, he would rob it from his wife to give it to you. Am I not right? Is that not right, Brenda? He would bleed and die on some unnecessary battlefield just to make sure you felt better about, you know, getting a massage. I don't know. It's just simple. He, he is a giver and he has, there are times when I would go, Ron, don't do that. Don't do that. But he's like Jesus, you know, and yes, he's just is such a giver. And he has been in their church, your church family. Let me show you this. I just got to do this. If you're a member of Church on the Rock, Golden Triangle Church on the Rock, and Pastor Ron is your pastor, stand up right now, wherever you are. Look at these people. They love their pastor right there, I'm telling you. They love their pastor. You may be seated. And we love him. So, Pastor Ron, come and just take your time. Do whatever you want to do. You share the word with us. And let us go away from here knowing that we've got something we can take uh, to work with us tomorrow. Amen. Y'all welcome Pastor Ron Hammonds. He comes sharing with us. Yeah, all right. There you go. Thank you so much, Pastor Sam, please. I can receive an offering. Okay. Who gets it with all these preachers here? Larry wonders why he doesn't come to our church anymore. It's simply because he's already got all the money we got. I mean, we, we're indebted to him. He now started, he, last time he came, he started asking my wife for her jewelry. Yeah, I, I remember that. That's when we went out to lunch. I said, well, I can't have him no more. No, I didn't. Uh, what friends in the ministry. What a family of faith that we share together. And I'm just so grateful to be a part of this family of God. There are many others of you who you consider yourself and God considers you in the ministry. Uh, even though you may or may not uh, be licensed or ordained, you know, you may not be pastoring a church at the moment. Uh, but uh, I want you to stand if you would, those of you that, uh, that uh, you, you know you're in the ministry and uh, stand if you would, please. I just want to recognize you. Come on, come on, stand up there, cuz. Yeah, come on. Look, uh, come on, uh, come on, Kendall, come on. Hold on, wait. Wait, 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 wait. Uh, 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 Darren, Susan, you guys stand up too. Come on now. Uh, 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 come on, Raymond, give me a glory and stand up, Raymond. I see you feeding people all over the place. Yeah? Others? Others? Okay. Uh, thank you. It's often the people who stand up here who get the accolade. Those guys that are in the, in, in, in the sound back, you know, back, back uh, 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 stand up back there. Come on. 
Uh, you, you mama. All right. Anybody else? Listen, it's these who are doing the work. You who have so faithfully served the Lord without, you know, all the uh, fanfare of getting the claps that we all got tonight. Uh, you make the difference. I want to thank you so much. Larry, stand back up there, buddy. Okay. <laughs> if for no other reason, he's probably the only state trooper we have in the building. Okay. But uh, he, is a, he is a faithful servant of the Lord. Thank you. Uh, Mark, Mark, yeah, uh, okay. And also, uh, there's another Mark behind you there. All these faithful people who are serving the Lord, you know, uh, in, in the background. And there's probably some of the rest of you that I actually don't know, but thank you so much. Uh, Tom, won't you stand up? Tom, this is the man who comes every week and takes my coat off of me after I step out of the pulpit, takes off my microphone, deals with it, and puts my coat back on me all the time that I'm praying for the people. I never have to look anywhere else but listening and paying attention. And he, uh, thank you, Tom, all these people. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Y'all give these a hand clap if you would. You sit down. Michael and Lyric, okay, we, we got to clap for you up here, okay? Thank you so very, very much, all of you. We are ministry heavy tonight. Why? Two reasons. One is because, uh, you know, uh, this is what we do. And the second thing is because you can't get anybody else to come out on a Sunday night, <laughs> preachers. <laughs> you guys have that problem in San Antonio? Man, what is the deal? Something happened. You know, and I see Wednesday nights kind of floating by in some, you know, but I, I'm, I'm going to hang on to Wednesday nights. I'm going to grave having a Wednesday night service. I'm going to just personally, that's just my personal thing because I just, you know, I just don't want to give it up. I, that, that touch, that golden hour, that time that we can just, you know, uh, connect with people. And, uh, and I'm looking around, I'm seeing all kinds of other people who serve in the house of God and are ministers and, and uh, uh, you know, oh my goodness, y'all. Okay, God bless every one of you. We're minister heavy tonight, and so I want you to know that I'm having a little difficulty in, in, in what I'm going to share tonight. I wasn't joking, David, whenever I said I did not know what I was going to share tonight. Uh, you know, if, if I had known that uh, these, uh, these uh, men and women of such stature were going to be here, uh, you know, uh, Brother Larry Myers, uh, he, he's, he's, uh, he's older and dirt, I mean, I'm talking about, and, you know... Uh, it, and, and, and people that have just, you know, been such testimonies to me and encouragement to me and, and, and to the church and all the churches, you know, I, I, I would have declined uh, sharing tonight. I appreciate so much. I, but man, listen, uh, Nathan, you are doing well, buddy. Thank you. Man, I enjoyed that. It's been wonderful seeing you grow up in the house of God and you being involved in the work of the Lord, I'm just so amazed. But, you know, uh, seriously, I, I would have had some concerns. Now I know why God didn't really give me anything to say because he didn't want me to appear too scholarly because I'm not. And he probably didn't, uh, he was probably just hoping. God's up there just hoping that I don't mess up and all of you, you know, uh, realize it. So let me just do what I, what, what I just 
came into my head. Everybody just turn to Matthew, the first chapter. Matthew chapter 1. We are a New Testament church, and uh, we may as well start with the New Testament. Pastor Sam said I could you know, take my liberty, and, and so we may as well go through all of it. Let's just go ahead and start here. And uh, <clears throat> let me tell you the brief history of this church. The brief history of this church is that God encouraged another church in our community, which was Golden Triangle Church on the Rock, to birth a church. We came here and birthed this church. It's way too long to tell you everything that happened, but everybody that pitched in and worked hard. But when, 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 you know, when God or when finally convinced Pastor Sam to come, I know why David Jackson, it only took him three or four minutes. It's because it was about a year late in him asking you. Because <clears throat> I'd been bugging him for, for about nine or ten months. I mean bugging him. I'm talking about I talked, uh, never asked anybody else. God never spoke to me about anybody else, only about him. And, and he was living in paradise, you know, and, and he, was, uh, he was living in, 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 in just, I mean, on Lake Fork. I mean, and, and pastoring a great church and a wonderful community, loved by all, been there 14 years, was well on his way to, to, uh, to retirement. And, and, and all of a sudden, you know, I began to bug him and, 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 and he began to ask God about it. And it became, you know, evident it was the will of God, but he still drug his feet. No, he didn't. He said, I tell you what, I'll be there in whatever it was. I don't remember what it was, but he gave me some months ahead. And I told Pastor Robert Ben, and I said, you know, I don't know that I can keep up this pace at the moment of, of you know, uh, all the, you know, Saturday night service and three Sunday morning services and, and then coming over here on a Sunday afternoon and then what we were doing on Sunday nights with reaching out to other churches. We would hop on a plane, fly somewhere and preach somewhere and bless some other church. Remember those days, Ken? Ken's been here uh, 27 years. We've been, man, we, you remember we used to fly all over the place, come back in in rainstorms and land in a little plane. Do you remember that one time we missed... We missed the runway and nearly hit the building over at Beaumont about 3 o'clock in the morning in a storm and looked there and there was a building. Not supposed to be a building on the runway. I said, okay, let's get over here a little bit. And so we scooted over and landed. <clears throat> but, you know, uh, I said, I just can't do this anymore. And so Pastor Robert came and, and uh, was so faithful. He and Charlotte to hold the fort down. We knew that Pastor Sam was going to get here, but we needed to change the service to a Sunday morning service so that we could give it an opportunity to grow. And I just couldn't uh, make that happen. I had, a, I had a job on Sunday mornings. And so uh, Pastor Robert, uh, Pastor Robert Lyle came and did the praise and worship. Pastor Robert Benlin came and so many others of you came and helped. And, uh, and, uh, but the real history of the church is that we started the church. That's like, you know, that's like launching a ship. But for the last 20 years, I haven't been here. You know, uh, this ship, the real story of this church and all that it's done. And, you know, the more than 300 water wells that are drilled, uh, you know, here and literally all around the world and all the missions work that is done and all of the people have been discipled. And, you know, that this, uh, this was a warehouse. It was, it was turned into a, to a warehouse for, for uh, uh, Katrina and Rita. I mean, they, uh, I think I saw in right where you're sitting, Pastor Sam, I think I saw a stack of Depends, you know, about halfway up to the ceiling here. 
pallets and pallets and, and, and beef jerky. Uh, I, I, I don't know how many. I, I think there was a whole truckload of beef jerky sitting in here. All kinds of things in here and just helping people. Let me tell you, all of that work has been marshaled and the vision and it's been, it's been worked hard and it's been faithfully done every day, day in and day out by Pastor Sam and Beverly and their family. And, you know, this church does not owe its existence to me. It wouldn't be here if it had been up to me, okay? I came over here and just got to say, Timber, uh, thank you. You are the one that has made it happen, and thank you so much. I know it hadn't been easy. Thank you. God bless you. Y'all give Pastor Sam and his family a hand. Thank you. All right, Matthew chapter 1. Let me tell you. Before we read, start reading in Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, you're going to say, oh my goodness, what's he doing? Well, if you're going to crash, you may as well crash and burn, okay? Because this might be perhaps the most boring piece of, and I have never preached on it, so let's just go for it. What do you say? What do you say we just follow the Holy Ghost and see where he's going here? Y'all think we can do that? All right. Well, hey, listen, I believe with all of my heart that all of you in ministry are in the middle of a making. I believe you're right in the middle of God doing something. I believe that the God we serve is a God that has a plan. I believe that his plan is beyond our comprehension, beyond our understanding, and even beyond our lifetime. I do not think that God is working so hard right now to make us comfortable in this particular situation of life. I know he cares about our comfort. I know he cares about us having things. I'm not anti-faith. In fact, I was baptized in faith. My goodness, I was a part of that faith group back before hyper-faith with hyper-faith, back when we were learning faith, okay? I was licensed with Jerry Savelle and, and, you know, and the Kenneth Copeland group. And, you know, I know faith. I'm not against faith, but I'm, not, I'm, I'm just telling you that I do not believe that all that God is doing is aimed right now at some of the things that people imagine God wants to do in their life. I am, I am a faith man. Don't get me wrong here, okay? I believe in faith, and I believe that God wants wants me to have a new home and a new car and, a, and you know, uh, and, and, and I'm happy and I confess, I make my confessions, I, I, I make my professions of faith, I believe in faith and confession, I believe in believing God for something every day, I believe in, 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 in declaring my faith and walking by faith, I believe God is a God that heals, I believe God is a God that prospers, I believe that God is a God who cares about how I feel, I believe that God is a God that's paying attention to me, that he hears my prayer, his eyes are over the righteous, his ears are open to their prayers, I believe believe that God will take care of me. I believe that with all of my heart. However, I know that if God crucified his only, not his extra, but his only son on the cross of Calvary so that people could hear the gospel and the salvation message for an eternal plan that he has that is far beyond an earthly plan, I believe that if God crucified his only son, then he is not bothered in the least for asking me to take up a little cross and follow him. I believe he is not embarrassed. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap. I believe that God is not embarrassed to cause me a little bit of extra work. And I don't think that my comfort is the biggest thing on his mind every day. I think sometimes it costs us 
to do the work of God. I believe that God has a plan, and I believe the plan of God is unfolding in a very predictable manner according to God's plan. And I think His plan is out of this world. I do not think for one moment that I want God to build me a mansion in this life. I want Him to build me a mansion in the next life. I believe that God's plan is an eternal plan, and I think we miss it whenever we miss the boat in realizing that God is more focused on eternity and what it takes to get all of the people he can into eternity. I believe that God is building a family. I believe that God is building an eternity and that's what he's focused on and that's what I should be focused on. And I do believe that God heals, you know. I do believe that God prospers. I believe it. I teach it. I live it. Experienced it. But, you know, sometimes our thought of prosperity is I'm going to get, I'm going to get, I'm going to get. But at other times, you know, we may want to read at times. I don't know how many of you have done it. I'm, I'm, I'm imagining all of you have. I hope all of you have. If you hadn't, then I'm going to pray that you get the opportunity to give everything you have. Every cent, every dollar in your checking account, everything you own, every piece of property that sometime you get an opportunity to empty it all for the cause of Christ. Because until we have given our all, we certainly may not understand or may not have experienced. Oh, my goodness, I didn't realize I was going to say that. I'm probably not real popular right now with some folks. But I hope that you get an experience in life that cost you a little bit and then you get to turn around somewhere and look back and realize what it benefited the kingdom that may have cost you a little bit. Uh, Ooh. Okay, I, I probably, no, that, that, that's probably right along what Brother Larry Myers will be preaching. He just wants you to make sure it went to Mexico Ministries. Is that right, Brother Larry? I pray that opportunities come to you where you can sow something that is difficult to sow. You see, it's not a sacrifice when you're obeying God, but there's something happens in the life of every individual whenever they realize that their trust in God is a trust with what they have now and with everything they have. That it's a trust that Almighty God will supply your need according to His riches in glory. And it's not just you left on your own to make what you can out of what you have. I believe that God blesses. I don't believe that God curses. But I do believe that sometimes, in life, we need to feel what it, what it is like to give beyond measure. Now, let me tell you and caution you before we begin to read that this is not a prescription for your life. Don't, don't one of you go out here and do anything with your assets because Pastor Ron said, okay? You need to hear from God because just doing something that taking someone else's prescription may not work well for you you need a prescription from God amen and I pray that you are willing to obey God in the day of need because I think the day of need is approaching whenever people cannot hear the gospel of Jesus Christ Unless we who have and have opportunity to get more are willing to make that happen in a dynamic and demonstrative way where our dependence is on God. Okay, let's read this book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Are you ready? By the way, faith makes things possible. It does not make things easy. Okay, 
Faith makes things possible. Faith does not make things easy. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David. Let's stop there just a moment because God is just about to tell us about some marvelous and wonderful people. David here is King David. Do you remember what King David had? King David was born into a family in the town of Bethlehem. And here, this young little boy was out on the backside of a desert doing not much. He was watching after a few sheep. In fact, whenever Samuel the prophet was sent by God to the house of Jesse to anoint a king, if you remember the history, King David, later King David, this little boy David, wasn't even invited to the family party. All of his brothers was invited, but he was left on the backside of the desert. And whenever Samuel could not find the one whom God wanted to anoint among the family of Jesse, he said, do you have any more sons? And Jesse said, yes, I have one more son, but he's just a young boy. He's just a ruddy complexion. He, he doesn't mean much. He's out there in the backside of the desert. He's tending a few sheep. And so what happened? He sent for him. He came in and Samuel anointed that little boy with oil and said that God Almighty had chosen him to be king over Israel because he was a man after God's own heart. Do you know David's family, David's brother, and no one else in David's world thought very much about David. But here we find him mentioned in the very first part of Matthew in the first book of the gospel of Jesus Christ, not because he was a king, but because David had a heart after God. David was called by God and God made David a king. God did not take David and give him a kingdom. God took David and made him a king. You see, because kings have kingdoms. And here in David's life, as you followed him like I have, most of you probably have read this book backwards and forwards, you know that David had a very difficult time. But yet the plan of God worked because God was putting something together, more than just a temporary plan, more than just making David a house, more than just making David popular. God was putting an eternal plan together that David would be the one from whose loins would come Messiah and here David was just this little boy on the backside of nowhere. God calls greatness out of obscurity. He calls greatness from places where we've never thought about. You remember Moses was on the desert. He was in the desert of Midian. He was just a, 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 a shepherd there where the priest of Midian had married into his family. He was there for 40 years. He was 80 years old when he met that burning bush. On the backside of nowhere, in obscurity, God calls greatness from obscurity and that's why he called David a man after God's own heart just a young boy in the middle of nowhere doing nothing no one believed in him but God saw him God called him and God made him great God had a plan and it included David and God was willing to work long and hard in David's life David had to trust God, just like every one of these that we're going to read. David had to trust God. But not only did David have to trust God, David had to give God some time to work. David had to be willing to allow God to, to go his will, to do his will, and to work it his way. David had to participate with God. David was going to end up being you know, in the middle of a miracle. But God demanded from David that he participate in that miracle and that he keep trusting him. 
David went through a lot of years, very difficult times, very hard years. But David kept trusting God every step of the way. And when there was no one else to encourage David, David encouraged himself that God had a plan for his life, that God Almighty would help him. And God continued to work until he fulfilled his plan in David's life and made him a piece to this puzzle. Then the Word of God says, This book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Do you remember Abraham? Abraham was about 50 years old whenever he lived in Ur of the Chaldees before he dwelt in Mesopotamia. He walked up the the Euphrates River and and he went up to a little place called Haran and there in the edge of Turkey and Syria right now. Right there, he stayed for about 25 years or so. And when he was about 75 years old, the Lord spoke to him and told him to separate himself from his family and go to a place that he would show him. Abraham didn't even know where he was going, but he took his wife Sarah and he started walking. He walked about 300 miles west. Think about that in that day. The whole trip from from where he had lived until he got into the place where he built his first altar in the land of Canaan was about a thousand miles on the circuitous route that he had taken through the deserts. He's just walking along there and there he found this place right between Mount Gilboa and Mount Ebal. It's a little place right now. If you look on the map, you can see it is the town of Nabulus. Okay. It is the, the, the Palestinian, uh, a stronghold of the, of, 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 of the Hamas right now. Okay. In fact, 14 of the 18 seats are held by Hamas in that area there right there in that little valley it was then a place called uh, 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 Shechem okay and uh, the, the the sons of Shechem they they had owned that place it's also been called Sychar but that's the very first place that Abraham built an altar in the land of Canaan right there in fact that's the very same place that Joseph his grandson his great-grandson would later be buried right there in that little place Abraham didn't know what he was doing. But God had promised Abraham that he was going to be the father of many nations. Abraham believed God against all odds. You can read about it in Romans, the fourth chapter. Abraham believed God. He did not consider his own body as it could continue to age. And when he was about 99 years old, 25 years after God had told him what he was going to do, 25 years after he had entered into the promised land, 25 years after he had walked up and down and lived everywhere, from Sychar in Shechem all the way down to Beersheba. I mean, uh, about 170 miles or so that he'd been walking back and forth and walking back and forth right by Jerusalem. You can go and follow the trail of the patriarchs. It goes by Bethel. It goes by Shiloh. It goes down by, by Bethlehem, on down by Hebron, and right on down to Beersheba, right in that area. Abraham walked that for 25 years, believing God. And when his body was dead and there was nothing more he could give and there was no way he could do it he had continued to trust God even though faith makes things possible it doesn't make things easy and all of a sudden he saw the promise of God a son he named Isaac a son that would be raised up and would be like unto Christ that son that he would take one day whenever God told him to and take on a journey a special journey to symbolize what we see in Christ at the crucifixion You see, God has a plan. But in order for Abraham to be a part of God's eternal plan, Abraham had to trust God and Abraham had to give God some time. How much time did God need? All the time that God wanted. And Abraham, his job was to continue to trust God. Verse 2, 
Abraham begot Isaac. <laughs> Y'all remember Isaac? And Isaac was a son of his old age. Now, one day, God said to Abraham, after Abraham and Sarah had waited 25 years to have this child, and then they waited years and years and years more, God said to Abraham, Abraham, I want you to take your son and I want you to walk back up towards uh, Jerusalem, where Jerusalem is now. I want you to walk north on the trail of the patriarchs. That old trail you've been walking for, for now for 50, 60 years almost. And I want you to sacrifice your son to me. You know, don't believe the movie. Abraham did not beat the stone with his fist. He didn't cry out to God. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't have any problems with that. He simply said, yes, sir, because he had already counted God faithful that what God had promised, God was able also to perform. He had seen Isaac in his own heart raised up as the promise of God. He knew what God can do. And so he takes the son. The Bible says he takes his son. He takes the wood. He takes the fire. He takes the knife. He puts it on a donkey. He takes some servants and he walks three days northward. And as he's walking through, Three days northward, he comes to a place where he sees a mountain. And God tells him that's the place. You can read the story. There he leaves the donkey and the servants. He takes the wood and he puts it on Isaac's shoulders. Now Isaac is about 33 years old by this time. He's not a little boy. His daddy is 133, okay? Abraham is an old dude. No wonder he didn't want to carry the wood up there. The Bible says he kept the knife. You know, I love it about it. I love that symbol of the father, that the father never lets anybody else have the knife. He holds on to the knife. And Isaac carried that wood on his shoulders up that hill. You know what hill that is? That's the hill on which Jerusalem sits. That's the hill on which the Temple Mount sits. That's the hill on the northern end that we see Gordon's Calvary, Golgotha, the place of the skull. Isaac walked right up that hill with that wood on his shoulders, symbolizing what Christ would do some, some, you know, 2,000 years later and there Abraham, the father built an altar and Abraham, whenever his son said, Daddy, I see the wood, I see the fire, but where's the sacrifice? <laughs> I love what Abraham said. You know, what, what did Abraham say? The Lord will provide himself a sacrifice. Oh, how prophetic. You know, I, I would have thought that was okay if I was Isaac. I mean, Isaac must have been pretty tough. I think Abraham might have been trying to wear him out, getting him up the hill, carrying the wood. Because Abraham knew what was about to happen. Isaac didn't know what was about to happen. Do you know the father knows what's about to happen? Sometimes we don't. But sometimes whenever, whenever somebody else that God has pledged us to and somebody else that we're submitted to, as was the right relationship between Abraham and Isaac, sometimes our leader hears from God and we don't. We only hear from the leader. And sometimes we have to trust God and sometimes we have to trust that the leader has heard from God because Isaac was just following. And whenever they got up there to the top, you know... It should have rang like a bell. A light bulb should have come on about the time that Abraham begins to tie Isaac up. <laughs> come on now. The young man's only about 33, 34 years old. And the old guy is, you know, a hundred years older than that. I think if I'd have been Isaac, I could have took him. I'd have said, hold on a second. Come on now. Wait, wait. But it didn't happen. 
It didn't happen because of the trust that we see. It didn't happen because of the plan that God was putting together. And there Abraham laid Isaac out on the altar. And there he raised the knife and was about to slay him in earnest. He wasn't teasing. He wasn't kidding. And there God said, hold on. You see, God had a plan. Abraham didn't know the whole plan. Abraham had to trust God, give God some time, and keep doing God's will, God's way until God decided something else. You know the story. Isaac begat Jacob. Well, Isaac was 60 years old. Isaac was married to Rebekah. Rebekah was from Haran. And Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebekah. They had been married 20 years. And his wife had not had a child. Come on now. That can be pretty tough, especially in that day and age. You know, Isaac was comforted over the death of his mother, but yet they had no child. She got pregnant. Twins. Jacob and Esau. Amazing. Amazing how Isaac continued to trust God even through that 20 years of his wife being barren, even though he had to go, you know, sow in the land of famine. You know, you would imagine that if, that if Isaac was a covenant partner with God, Abraham received God's covenant, it passed to Isaac, and Isaac is a covenant partner with God. Why in the world would a covenant partner with God have any trouble? Why can't a covenant partner with God get what he wants when he wants? My goodness, God is the one he's in covenant with. Why in the world couldn't they have children when they wanted them? You see, God has a plan. Being in covenant with God means you're, you are deciding you'll do things God's way. You'll let God be God. Our part is to trust him. And I promise you, you don't know the end of the story yet. I know getting up every day, I know every month, Rebecca must have been very disappointed, must have been very hurt. I mean, come on, what do you say to your wife after 20 years of believing and trusting God? What do you say? Well, I'm in covenant with God. How many times can you say, it's going to be okay? But do you know every time you ask God about the future, he says, it's going to be okay. Every time you ask God about your future, he always says, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. I'm going to take care of it. Just give it to me. It'll be all right. Jacob and Esau fought as young men. You know, the house of Isaac was not a real peaceful place. And yet, all of eternity was hinging on their family. Can you imagine that? God's plan was dependent at this moment on them trusting God and doing things His way. 
They didn't really realize what the future would hold. They only got up every morning and saw what was going on in their family. There was fussing. There was fighting. You know, there, there were threats of the brothers killing one another. One of them had even stolen Jacob. had even stolen his brother's birthright. And, and then, if that wasn't enough, Jacob went in and, and, and acted like his brother. I mean, Jacob lied to his daddy. His daddy was, was, was about 100, 110 years old. And, and, and his daddy was blind. Isaac? Yeah. He was blind for a a lot of years. Well, that just doesn't seem like the covenant partner that I want to be with God. No, me either. But read the book. He's not blind anymore, praise God. Hello? Why? Because God is a healing God. And I'm going to tell you something. Devil can't win. He can't win. And I believe God heals. And I pray every day for God to heal people. And I see people healed. Isaac, however, was so blind he couldn't even tell which one of his sons was in the room. Jacob put on goat skin so his daddy would feel a hairy arm. Come on now. This is one conniving man. Jacob even even rubbed a little bit of, you know, meat on him to make himself smell like he'd been in the field, you know. And he no doubt tried to deepen his voice, but it didn't work. Because daddy said, you know, the smell is the smell of my son Esau, but the voice is the voice of my son, you know, Jacob. What is the deal? I'm sorry, daddy, but yeah, it's me. (laughs) Now, all of this was brought about by his mama. You see, Jacob was a mama's boy. Esau was a daddy's boy. And so mama's boy was convinced by mama to go in and lie to daddy and ended up daddy giving him the blessing. Not only had he received the firstborn portion, but then he received the blessing from God. He lied, he, he cheated, he stole, and here he finds himself in possession of everything. By the way, he never got to enjoy any of that. Because his brother decided he's going to kill him. So mama said, I I don't want Jacob to be killed by Esau. She went in and said to Isaac, hey, Isaac, listen, I don't want Jacob to marry anybody around here. How about sending him back up to where my brother is and let him find a wife up there because all these people around it, you know, they're they're all a bunch of uh, Canaanites and, and oh, they are just so sore displeasure to us how Esau has married them and brought these foreign women into our house. I don't want, I don't want another daughter-in-law from the Canaanites. And so Esau said, okay. So he sent his 77-year-old son north. How old? 77. A 77-year-old mama's boy that never been married. Daddy sent him north. Does that shock any of you? I hope, you know, no, you're all ministers, you know. You know. These things intrigue me. <laughs> You know, Daniel was like 82 when he was thrown in the lion's den, by the way. Okay? I know we imagine Isaac as a little boy being led up to slaughter. and didn't happen. He was a man, full grown. You know, here's 77-year-old Jacob 
you know, stops on the way, sees a vision from heaven and, you know, get, you know promises God in, 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 in the book of Genesis about, about chapter 28 or so, 26, I think maybe. He promises God that he'll give him tithes of everything. If you'll bless me, if you'll take care of me, if you'll prosper me in my way, whenever I come back, everything, I'll give you tithes of everything that, that, that you bless me with. Boy, I love that covenant right there. That's a great covenant title. <clears throat> well, Jacob ends up in the area of Haran, of Pandanaram, that little enclave right there on the far eastern Turkey right now, just above the Syrian border. Jacob finds himself there at 77 years old, seeing a young girl. I don't know how she was. Your, your preachers, once you figure out about it, but let me tell you something. Some 77-year-old girl wants to come look at my teenage daughter think about marrying her. I'm not sure that I'd be too happy about that. How about you guys? Come on. Read the Bible. I, I'm not making this up. Okay? Let me tell you, God has a plan. And God is not limited to what fits our agenda and what seems many times like a surprise to us is a plan to God. And God does not mind at all upsetting your plans. God does not have to first seek our permission before he decides what he's going to do. And there, Jacob decides that he's going to marry this woman. And Laban, her daddy, says, well, won't you just work for me for seven years? And you can marry her. So he works. The Bible says it was like one day. He worked for seven years. Now he's 84 years old. Comes his wedding night. No wonder he didn't know which woman he had. He was an old dude. 84 years old. And Laban, his daddy, slips him a Leah. Instead of a Mickey. You get that? Did you get that? <laughs> Next morning he wakes up and he says, Whoa, wrong girl. Wrong woman. Some people wake up after they've gotten married, they look around and go, Oh, wrong one. He goes out to his father-in-law, his new father-in-law, and he says, Hey, Laban, man, I worked for you for seven years for Rachel. Now, what is this? You gave me Laban. Now, I, and, and Laban is a fast talker. Laban said, Hey, look, don't worry about it. I tell you what, in our, in our uh, culture, you have to marry off the oldest woman first, and then you marry. And, and so uh, just fulfill your seven days of wedding commitment to her. And after that, then, then, then you can have Rachel as wife. And all you have to do is work another seven years. So he says, Okay. So now, He's 88 years old, married to two women in a foreign country without a penny because he's worked for 14 years for his father-in-law and has nothing to show for it. But you see, he's still a covenant partner with God. You see, he's still got a covenant of tithing that he's promised. You see, God is still involved. 
even though Jacob may not realize it every day going out to work for his father-in-law and coming home to two women. Hello? Because they didn't get along. Okay? And Leah lived all of her life believing that she was the wrong woman. He didn't love her. He didn't care about her. In fact, the Bible says that he, that, 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 you know, he, 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 he didn't care anything about her. And she knew it. Jacob believed that Leah was the wrong woman. Leah believed that she was the wrong woman. But God didn't believe she was the wrong woman. You see, God has a plan, and he does not first seek our permission before he upsets our plans. It was the will of God that he marry Leah, not Rachel. God does not always want what we want. God wants what he wants, and God can bring it about, and he's not limited to our, you know, to our permission. How do I know that Leah was the right woman? Oh, come on now. Y'all all know the Bible, right? Sure you do. You know, in the tomb of the patriarchs in Hebron, there's Abraham and Sarah buried. Buried is Isaac and Rebekah and Jacob and Leah. Not Jacob and Rachel. Rachel's buried about six miles away. No, about 18 miles away. Right there at the gates of, 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 of uh, Bethlehem. Isn't that amazing? And guess what? Guess who the mother of Judah is? Leah. Leah is the grandmother of Jesus, not Rachel. You see, God has a plan. And it's not limited to what we think or what we feel. We could go on and on, but you get the picture. I've laid enough foundation for me to tell you what I believe God wants me to tell you. God has a plan. Faith does not make things easy. It makes things possible. And every one of these people, if you continue to read in that lineage, you'll read down there about a, about a man named Boaz who was an old guy. And here, Ruth, a Moabitess. Do you know who the people of Moab were? Moab was the son of Lot and his oldest daughter in an incestuous, drunken relationship in a cave on a mountain after Sodom and Gomorrah. Who in the world could ever imagine that God could use a descendant of that situation? Someone in that place from that history. But yet Ruth, a Moabitess that no one would give the time of day. She was in Israel among, among the promised children of God and she was an outcast and she had nothing to look forward to. No one was going to marry her. No one was going to help her. Yet God sent her to the fields of a man named Boaz because he knew Boaz was a man that he could trust. Ruth. Why would Boaz be a man that God could trust? Because he was raised by a former prostitute. He's the son of Rahab. Who married in to the Jewish royal lineage of Judah when she married Solomon. 
Rahab, the harlot from Jericho, married a prince of Judah, had a son named Boaz, inherited fields around Bethlehem, the same fields that the angels would announce the birth of Christ, those same fields were... <laughs> Come on now. God has been putting this puzzle together piece by piece by piece by piece by piece from the most unlikely people, from the most unlikely places, from such obscurity, from backgrounds that we would not have chosen, in situations that we could not imagine. God has been putting these things together for millennium. And do you think that he's left one of you out of this equation? Ashley, the Lord spoke to me today when I was reading the word of God. He spoke to me about you and he told me that he was going to bring you into the fields of Boaz. He told me that he was going to bring you into fruitful places and he would have handfuls of purpose left for you. He's moving to England here in this next few days and going to uh, help us expand the ministry there in England. Uh, and and uh, Boaz, the fields of Boaz, almighty God is going to make sure there are handfuls of purpose left. You see, we can't know the end of the story. We get up every day. You as a minister get up every day, and all we see is what we face. And I know the ministry can be hard. It can be difficult. But I'm telling you that the plan of God, oh, my goodness. David, what you have started, you haven't seen anything yet. I mean, you've built something that will way outlast your lifetime. You know, this, you know, gosh. If Abraham could see today, if David could see today, if Solomon could see today. Folks. The only thing God needs from us is the same thing he needed from these people. He needs our faith. He needs our trust. He needs us to believe that if it's bad, it's not over yet. If it's difficult, it's just one more step toward him. He needs us to realize that there's always something we can do to please him. This church, this work, it was designed by God. We come to this 20-year anniversary of the birthing of this church, and let me tell you, the people that it's touched, the lives that it's changed, the difference that it's made will continue to resound in rippling effects in ever-increasing concentric circles and reach around the world and back. We haven't seen anything yet. Don't despair. Don't despair. You may be in the middle of a making. You may be in the middle of a situation that looks hard. You may be in the middle of something that you can't look at your spouse and guarantee them that tomorrow is going to be any better than today. You may not be at the place where you can even afford to do anything. You might, you know, you might be 84, not a penny to your name, and all you have in your pocket is a promise from God. Well, a promise from God is enough. What we do, you know, give the Lord a hand clap. What we do is give God one thing he needs from us, and that is our trust. And then, 
God takes time. The plan of God takes time. Tonight, you may be facing situations. As Pastor Sam said earlier, storms in life, or it may just be a rain shower. You may be facing something and you don't know exactly what to do about it. You may be looking at a future and you don't know how it could unfold any better or any different. You may be in a place where you feel as though that, that what you have done in the past or what happened to you in the past, closed doors that can't be opened. That, you know, that's not the truth. You are in the middle of a making, just like David. God took David and made him a king. He didn't take him and give him a kingdom. Don't despair. The small things that we do every day for the kingdom of God, the little things that we do day in and day out are pieces to a puzzle that God's putting together. Carlos, when I laid my hands on you and prayed for you just a little while ago, I just felt fruitfulness coming to your life. Open the door. There'll come a door in your path you reach out and open it and you say yes. Say yes. Forget about what it costs. Forget about what other people think. God needs you. Say yes and see what God will do. The, the, the heart of God is to include us, not exclude. Give God your trust and let him have some time to work. Watch what he will do, okay? This morning, the message that I preached at my church, today was my 28th anniversary at my church this morning. And uh, yeah, 28 years. On August the 28th, 1988, I became pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock. And uh, I preached a message uh, 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 on, on my first day there about faith. And so this morning I preached about faith again. And, and uh, the neatest little thing God gave me yesterday was an equation. And, and, and the title to my message was an equation, like a mathematical equation. It had faith over time equals heaven. Faith over time equals heaven. All the promises of God, faith over time. Give God your trust. And by the way, this is not the message I preached this morning, okay? But give God your time and your faith and watch what he will do. How many of you would say that you need prayer just to keep trusting God for the plan? Any of you, any of you struggling and going through a difficult moment, uh, just, just stand up right where you are. I'm going to pray for you right where you are. I'm not going to ask you to come down here, but I want to pray for you right where you are. Any of you feel as though that, that in the middle of your moment, you're just needing to, to have an extra boost that God has a future for you, that God is going to do this thing. Any of you just stand up right now where you are. Uh, I'm going to wait because I know. Thank you. Others. Some of you need to just have a little extra boost. You're not sure what God's doing. You don't know what your future has. Just stand and let, let, let God just open up, you know, a fresh revival for your ministry, for your heart. How's God going to do it? How's God going to do this? You know, you're going to have to put that down. Abraham couldn't have figured it out. Isaac couldn't have figured it out. Jacob couldn't have figured it out. Joseph couldn't have figured it out. No one can figure it out. But God knows. Some of you don't know where the money's going to come from to finance what God wants you to do. Some of you don't know how God's going to bring the people to do 
what you need him to do. Just, just stand up. Let me pray for you. Just stand up and let me just pray a prayer of faith over your life. I believe in the future that God has for you. I believe, you know, God, God trusts you more than you trust him. He's trusting you with things. He trusted Abraham more than Abraham trusted him. He trusted Isaac. He trusted Jacob more than Jacob trusted him. God believes in you more than you believe in him. Some of you have your hands on some things that, that, that God really wants to, want you to know it's going to be okay. It's going to be fine. You know, if you need just to feel that sense of relief, you've been worried or anxious, you've been fearful or fretful, you've been struggling and just wondering, uh, how is God going to do this? Where is it going to come from? I want to pray for you. I believe there's a breakthrough. I, I believe in breakthroughs. I believe there's a breakthrough. Just stand if you, if you would. I'm about to pray. You want to be included in this prayer. Let me just pray for you. Also, if there's anybody here that's, that's barren, I, that, that just came to my heart. Anybody here that, 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 that you would like to have a child, you may not, uh, barren came to my heart, but came to my mind. But anyone who may want a child, if you want to have children, that doesn't mean that some of you need to sit down if you don't want children. But if any of you want to have children and you've not been able to have children, uh, just stand to your feet right now. I believe that, uh, that, 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 that God is going to deliver uh, that situation. He's going to fix it others okay. would you pray with me Lord it's in the name of Jesus that name above every name that I make a declaration, Lord, of my faith in accordance with your Spirit's leading. That the situations and circumstances that are faced by these and those that came to the altar earlier, Lord, the struggles, Lord, that they're dealing with. God, the situations, Lord, that they need finances for, that they need a miracle for. Lord, not knowing, Lord, how you're going to do, Lord, what it is in their heart. Lord, not having, Lord, a clear picture of their future, Lord, and wondering, Lord, uh, how can the promise, Lord, come to pass because the people are not in place. And, Lord, some, Lord, even here that didn't stand, Lord, their, their, their families are separated and, and they don't know how they're going to get them back together. They don't, they don't Lord, they, 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 they've even, Lord, some of them, Lord, uh, have even, Lord, ceased to make that, Lord, a, a strong matter of prayer. Some have even lost hope, Lord, in, 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 in that, Lord, drawing back. God, some of them, Lord, even in their churches, God, uh, even in their ministries, they've, they, they, they've seen people, Lord, leave that they, that they, uh, that, that they just didn't feel like uh, should have left, Lord, and they don't know how you're going to fix it, Lord. Some of them, Lord, are even crossways, Lord, and, and uh, God, others are needing, Lord, uh, just resources. God, right now, Lord... Because of your plan, sir, Lord, I pray and release, Lord, a supernatural breakthrough, Lord, for trust, Lord, for faith to grow in their hearts, Lord, that as of this day, Lord, 
God, that they will begin to dream dreams, Lord. They will begin, Lord, to have visions, Lord, unsolicited, God. They will begin, Lord, to hear voices, Lord, and, and words, Lord, that will come to them, God. Even songs, Lord, God, that are played, God. And, and God, people coming by, Lord, to just drop seeds, Lord. God, of your hope and of your, your confidence, Lord, in them. And God, they will find in their lives a growing trust, Lord. And God, that trust, Lord, I, I speak in the name of Jesus. Lord, a miracle, Lord, of seeds sown in their lives. And then, God, you will begin, Lord, to, Lord, work behind the scenes, Lord, in ways and places they can't even fathom. And to bring about, Lord, your settled plan in their lives. And God, I, I hear, Lord, your voice saying, Lord, that, they are more in the will of God than they give themselves credit for. Lord, that's someone, Lord, is wondering if they're where they should be, Lord. They're where they ought to be, Lord. God, they're more in the will of God than they give themselves credit for. And God, I pray, Lord, for those who are wanting to have children, Lord. God, I, Lord, pray for a miracle, God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, without respect, Lord, to what the situation is, Lord, how long it's been, Lord. God, what the medical doctors say, Lord, I release, Lord, a miracle faith, God. Lord, for them to conceive, Lord, in time, Lord, in the right time, Lord, and to bring forth a healthy child. Lord, I thank you, Father, Lord, that your ways are beyond our comprehension. Lord, that you can still, Lord, perform miracles in our midst. God, I declare in the name of of Jesus Lord for breakthrough in people's lives Lord I so bless them Lord God that they will be able to share their testimonies with others looking back Lord on now what seems impossible Lord that actually comes to pass Lord in a way that that, that they could not have made it happen God and their testimonies will so inspire others Lord that others God will will dare to trust you and dare to give you time and to dare to keep believing you and your promise to them Lord I pray as well Lord for Church on the Rock North I pray, Lord, for the ministry of this house, Lord. I, I pray for the pastors, Lord. I, I pray, Lord, for all the congregation. I pray, God, blessings, Lord, would rain down upon them, Lord. God, when I first stood in this building, Lord, and, and God lifted my voice to you and cried out to you, Lord, it was impossible, Lord, that this building could even be leased. And now, God, Lord... This church has taken it. This pastor, Lord, and God, they've made a wonderful sanctuary, Lord. A wonderful place, Lord, that houses the family of God. But Lord, God, they need more, Lord. More people, Lord. More money, Lord. More resources, Lord. God, they need more workers, Lord. God, they need more soldiers of the cross. Lord, they need you to intervene, Lord. God, I pray, sir, in the name of Jesus, for blessing to come upon this place. For a new light, Lord, to shine from this place, Lord 
Lord, to the city and the communities around. God, I pray for the hearts of men and women driving by this place. Lord, that they will feel the anointing and feel, Lord, the word of Almighty God. Lord, that they should turn in here, Lord, that they should come and be a part. God, I pray that you would wake up the community around this church, Lord. God, on Sunday mornings, Lord, and God, call them, Lord, to this house. Draw them, Lord, from the north, the east, the south, and the west. Lord, let the prayers that have been lifted in this place become fruitful, Lord, in the name of Jesus. God, I pray for men and women, boys and girls, Lord. God, to be drawn to this house, Lord, and this house, Lord, to raise up a mighty army, to reach out, Lord, to the communities, Lord, and from this place, Lord, around the world, in the name of Jesus. God, that's your will, Lord. God, make it so. Lord, we trust you, God. And I know this pastor, he's doing everything in his power to give you time to work. God, Lord, bless in the name of Jesus. May there be an anointing in this house where souls are saved and families are drawn together. Sicknesses and disease are healed. And ministry is raised up. Lord, I know you hear my words, Lord. I know, God, I'm speaking, Lord, from heaven's perspective. I declare it, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, sir. Amen. Amen, amen. Amen. God bless you. Receive your miracle in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. God demands that we participate in our miracles. God may require you to do a little something that you haven't done to get something you hadn't got. Do it in faith and see what God will do. Amen. Pastor Sam, thank you. Y'all give Pastor Sam Amen. a hand. Would you like to do Amen. I got some great friends, and I'm telling you. Thank you, Pastor Ron. Wow, awesome. It's good to have friends. And you being here today lets us know that you're friends of this vision, friends of, of the future. Our future is bright. Our latter days will be greater than the former. Amen. Let me say something to all the ministry types, pastors, church leaders, deacons, elders. Uh, uh, in the morning, we're going to gather back together here at the church at 9 a.m., right? We're going to spend a couple of hours together just fellowshipping, hearing what the, we want to hear from you, what the Lord is doing and speaking to you, because we believe if we get the pulse of what God is doing in a broader perspective, we can do bigger and better things ourselves. And so we want to invite all of our pastors, leaders, so I don't know if... Uh, some of you guys have church leadership that could come tomorrow as well, 9 a.m. Then at, at when we're done in a couple of hours, we're going to go eat lunch. Where are we going, Beverly? We're going to Carabas. Amen. And then after that, uh, you're invited to our old, new, remodeled home that uh, for dessert tomorrow afternoon. Uh, and uh, Beverly and I have been living in a camper for seven months. Uh, that's a story in and of itself. 
but we're back in a the, the first house we moved into uh, it was a rent house after a couple of years we're back in it and it's all brand new and so it's it's symbolic of a new start and a new vision and so we're excited about that and we want you to be a part of that and tonight I know you know for some of you people oh my goodness oh my goodness it's so late it's actually nearly nine o'clock OMG what are we going to do we're going to turn into pumpkins or something no we're going to eat dessert tonight we're going to chow down on, on sweets and we want you to take all the time you want don't dash off. It's our 20-year anniversary, for goodness sake. How many of you guys on your 20th anniversary said, Honey, i got to go to bed. It's just too late. We just... It's party time. Look at your neighbor and say, It's party time. Give somebody a high five. Say, It's party time. Thank you so much. Hey, how many of you appreciate Nathan and the guys coming and blessing us? Nathan, let me say this. I don't know when it's actually coming out. Do you know when... Uh, all that is within me new album coming out well uh, if we're going to talk about it then uh probably five or six weeks five or six weeks you watch facebook you watch our yeah. website you follow nathan and you'll be i, I appreciate everyone buying 10 copies thank 10 you 10 so copies thank hey, you man it's, so I'm, I'm telling you my. dr shibley we're kind of old school aren't we we're old school we like we're old timey but you came with pastor sonny and susan y'all came to the to when they recorded the album was this not first-rate worship God? Give Him all the glory. I'm telling you, uh, it, 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 it will bless your heart. So when that comes out, buy 10 copies uh, and give them to all your friends for Christmas. Amen. Beverly, anything else we need to say before we go? Thank you, 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 thank you. Please don't rush off. Come get some dessert with us. we got all kinds of things. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you in the other room over there. Amen.